Hi, Mom. No. Yeah, I'll do that. Y'all Y'all, we're from Oklahoma and Texans, they know what I'm talking about. Y'all having fun? We will have. All right, good. And we, it, it don't bother us to hear a little amen every once in a while, too. We're not real Pentecostally inclined, but we don't, we don't mind hearing when somebody feels like saying amen a little bit. I, uh, still on? We're in good shape. Uh, one good thing about Ian, uh, his, his hours are a little shorter than my hours are. He had a three-hour deal yesterday and cut it back, and I tried to cut a two-hour one back on this one, and it may be two hours. I mean, real time, not virtual time. No, not really. I'm going to start mine off. Uh, the title I have is Sons of God, and we've heard a lot of messages over the years about that and about this time of year. And, and uh, one of our good brothers that's no longer with us, Bill Fowler, I think most, a lot of you out here, a lot of the old-time people know Bill Fowler, and he's given some of the best messages and encouraging messages I know about being the sons of God. You know, this guy believed it. You know, he, he had a way of making us believe it. And, and we do believe it. We do. But uh, what really I didn't intend to have this as a message for the feast. I, I like to have one that I have given throughout the year that, you know, I, I didn't stumble on so much, you know, and my word flow was a little better. But uh, the people from Tulsa have heard those, and and uh, sometimes I've given them two or three times. So, I, you know, I went to Canada last year to the feast, and nobody heard it except for Mr. Gregory, and he didn't tell anybody. <laughs> but anyway, what, what kind of prompted this message was, uh, and I'll tell you a long story, and the Tulsans, they know, I, I, I digress, as the subject goes. Um, I bought a motorcycle about, what, 17, 18 years ago, a Goldwing, and my dad said, uh, and I was telling him about it, and he said, well, let me be your banker. You know, let me be your banker. And we figured out, you know, what the interest would be and all that, and I'd pay him. The only thing is, if I got behind on payments, Dad wouldn't come and repossess it, you know. He let a three-year payment deal strag string out over about seven years, you know. But in doing that, Dad knew that I would go down and visit him quite often on the motorcycle. Uh, my house to Dad's house is 50 miles, almost any way you go. We have about three or four ways of going to Oilton, Oklahoma. And it's a 100 miles round trip. And uh, especially after the, the Tulsa Fellowship uh, Choir started about 12, 13 years ago, uh, and some of you right here are involved in that now, they have their um, uh, choir practice on Wednesday night. That's the same night that, you know, a lot of churches have their Bible studies. And I didn't like being home by myself, and it was a good opportunity to get on the old motorcycle and, you know, run down and visit Mom and Dad and, and uh, try to honor them and, and uh, brag on them and tell them my, you know, newest things that happened in my life and get them to pat me on the back, you know, how kids do. Even even adults like to have their, uh, their, their parents to approve of what they do. I do, even now. And uh, that went on for a lot of years, and about, what, three years ago, uh, my mother passed away. She was uh, 88, I think it was, and uh, this fall, I mean, not this fall, but uh, this, this spring, my father passed away, and, and some of the people out here were kind enough to go to the funeral and give me the encouragement and all that. And, uh, but you know, you do something as a ritual for a lot of years, it's a little hard to break. And uh, being 
cooped up in my own house on Wednesday night when my wife would have Bible, I mean, uh, choir practice, uh, it was a little harder for me to just sit there. So this was part of my grieving process. It's my excuse, I guess. I'm, I'm living with it, and I, and I do like riding the bike, too. And uh, But I thought, you know, before Dad died, it's not going to be long, you know. Well, you, you see the symptoms of older people. They go through such, you know, uh, progress. You know that they're not, they're not going to make it long. And uh, I said, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with my Wednesday night, you know? And uh, just so happened on the way to my dad's house on Highway 51, just about 200 yards off of the highway, was a church where my dad would go to church once in a while. Now, he would have worse hearing than me, you know. He, he could hardly hear at all. And uh, my older brother would go once in a while. And I went one time. Uh, two or three years ago with my brother on Bible study one evening after we was doing we were doing some work at my dad's so I knew what it was like and I liked the preacher you know he's he just an old country guy he used to uh, be a chaplain at uh, in the military and also uh, just kind of a rough old man you know big old burly guy and, and uh, in fact my dad uh, fell into his arms when he uh, collapsed when he had a fatal stroke so anyway it was, it was kind of a good thing and uh, so in the back of my mind, I thought, well, yeah, I think I'll go to Bible study, you know, for a little while, you know, let's just, you know, get this grieving over with or whatever, and and uh, I'll take Bible study. But, and I thought, well, you know, God may just open somebody's mind, you know, because of me. That wasn't my purpose for going, and I definitely didn't go in to, to start any problems, you know. I don't go in somebody else's house and, and start burning off uh, uh, my doctrines that are opposed to theirs. But I went a uh, time or so, and and, uh, and I learned some things. You know, I even learned what a hyperbole was. You know, everybody probably knows what a hyperbole is, you know. I didn't know what a hyperbole was. Uh, I'd read, read the scriptures that had hyperboles in it all the time, but I didn't know what it was. And just a simple old country church, you know, a full gospel church, uh, explained, you know, what a hyperbole was. And he, he was reading um, uh, in Matthew and, and the other scriptures, you know, when if your eye offends you, pluck it out. If your hand offends you, pluck it out. I mean, cut it off and all that. And he said, well, why would you do that? Did Jesus really mean to cut that off, you know? He said, no, it's a hyperbole. He didn't go ahead and explain it. He said, that's just a hyperbole. Well, I went home and, you know, after I got home the next morning my Bible study, I looked up hyperbole. And that's an exaggeration or an extreme to get a point across. He didn't really mean that. It's just a hyperbole. Anyway, you'll wonder what all this has to do with being sons of God. Actually, I'm trying to, it's my purpose to keep you awake for two hours and and uh, get another deal, but no. Anyway, but um, I, I learned a lot, and, uh, and I got to enjoy it. And the people were a little bit, uh, not not distant, but they weren't just real friendly to me. They knew that my brother was there. And, and uh, But over a period of time, you know, several weeks, they, they warmed up, and I really liked these people. And, uh, but anyway, what, what brought this subject up here a few weeks back, a question was asked him. We were going through the book of Romans, and, and I told some of you that he would deliberately skip some of the, you know, he'd be going sentence by sentence or verse by verse and get into one of these things that we like, I mean, that we contradict them with, skip them all together. But anyway, but before we started in Romans, uh, someone asked him, well, what does this mean over, and uh, if you want to turn over to Genesis 6 chapter, 
Genesis 6 chapter and verse th 2 to 4, and this is really where a lot of this got started from, and I, I'm going to go a little further than that. Genesis 6 chapter and verse 2 and 4, and it says, and it came in verse 1, oh, I'm going to read in verse 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. You know, they were beautiful, like some of our women are beautiful. And they took them wives of all that they had, which they had. And the Lord said unto them, My spirit will not always strive with man, for he, for that he also is flesh, yet all of his days shall be a hundred and twenty. There were giants, verse 4, there were giants in the earth in those days, and also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they were their children unto them, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And he said, those are angels. You know, he said, these are angels. The sons of God are angels. And they, they married, you know, uh, sons of men. That's what he said. And I really started, I wanted to say, but I hadn't been going very long. I, I really wanted to say, and even afterwards, were you really serious? Did you really mean that? And I don't really know if he was or not, because he really didn't dwell on it very much. He did go uh, from there in his backup uh, scripture, or his follow-up scripture, I would say, was over in where a lot of you would uh, understand, over in Job, over in the book of Job, and we'll go over there. And that was his backup scripture to this, or I don't mean backup, but uh, uh, continuation of the story, like we do a little here and a little there. Uh, where was it? Job first chapter, I guess. Job chapter one, I'll start in one and go, I believe it's one, verse six. Uh, just a second. Okay, well, I'll just go ahead and start on in chapter 1, verse 1. There was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and, and screwed evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters, and his substance was also uh, 7,000 7, sheep. And I'm going to drop on down, verse 4. And his sons went forth, now, verse 5, and I'm a fast reader. <laughs> And it was so when the days of their feasting were about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered the burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. So the reason I went fast because I, uh, I don't want to take a whole lot of time. That was the digress. And verse 6 says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves to the Lord, and Satan came among them. She says, so here, here's another time the angels came before God, and we know that because Satan's here too, you know, and he's one of these angels, these bad angels. And uh, this was part of his scripture. And the Lord said unto Satan, Where come you? And Satan answered, Lord said, Oh, from going to and fro on the earth, you know, just hanging out like we always do, you know, just, just having a good time, you know, and just seeing what probably who I could uh, really cause to sin or something. 
Anyway, I'm adding a little bit. Then over in uh, uh, Job 2 and uh, verse 1, a little bit later, just a little bit later, didn't say how much later, says, again, there was a day, you know, a different day, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them to present himself. So they're, they're saying, he was saying even then, well, this, this is it, this is angels. Well, what do you think? I mean, you know, you don't necessarily have to speak. If you, if you agree with that, the angels, you can just shake your head. If you don't, you know, shake no. I don't hear any reports. <laughs> anyway, but there are a lot of scriptures, and it's not going to be my purpose to just get down all the scriptures today that, that show, you know, about this. We, we're familiar with the scriptures that, that uh, Jesus said, you know, you do err, that uh, angels don't marry and give in marriage, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, when they ask uh, Jesus, you know, this, this lady had seven husbands, who does she belong to? And he told her that there's, there's no, they, they don't get married, neither do the angels and all that. And uh, so we're, we're familiar with that. But uh, just uh, since I'm on this right here in this verse right now, I'll give you my opinion. Like some of these people, they ring a bell when it's their opinion. Uh, these were, and I'll, and I'll show you in a little bit later, these sons of God, that we are sons of God. We are sons of God. And, and, and Bill Fowler had made it so clear so many years in a row that, that we are the sons of God. But I want to dwell on this little part right here for just a minute. What, what do, let, let's focus a little bit on the day. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves to God. Does anybody have any idea what day that might be, if, if day is important? How can, yeah, can, holy day. This, now, I don't know what holy days they had. I know they had the Sabbath, and you know that they had the Sabbath from the very creation week. The very creation week, we know they had the Sabbath because in Exodus 20, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. For, because in six days, God created the heavens and the earth and on the seventh day rested. So you, re you remember that. So, and, and we don't know for sure. This My Bible has a time period when this is written, but uh, uh, the preacher out there said nobody really knows for sure, and I don't know if they do or not. <laughs> I really don't. But anyway, but we do know that uh, I, I feel that they, they presented themselves before God on a holy day, a weekly Sabbath or whatever, and, uh, and that was the sons of God. Uh, go back with me to uh, Exodus, the 23rd chapter, since we're still talking about that. that. Exodus 23, and we just... Uh, Exodus 23... In verse 17, and see if there might be a correlation here. And I'm not saying this is the same holy day. I don't really know. I'm just using some of the terminology. Exodus 23, verse 13 says, Three times in a year all your males shall appear before the Lord. They shall present themselves before the Lord. They shall be there. Uh, Joshua 24 verse 1. This is just giving you some words to check out. I mean, uh, it'll kind of go along with it. It's definitely not exhaustive. Joshua 24 and verse 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel 
to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and they presented themselves before God. They presented themselves before God. God has the sons of God over, over time to present themselves before God. Luke, and here we'll get into just a few places where the uh, sons of God are, are pretty clearly just stated as being people. Uh, Luke 3, Luke 3 and verse 38. And most of these scriptures we're just uh, breaking in so we can save time. Luke 3 and verse 38. In, in Luke third chapter, you can look down through there and you can see all this genealogy and this son of, son of Jacob, son of Isaac, son of, you know, and all down through there. And uh, we have in 38, and, you know, it's a continuation. They just keep saying which was. Which was the son of Enoch, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was the son of God. So, you know, Adam was the son of God. John chapter 1. John chapter 1 in verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Do you believe in his name? I think we all do. We believe on his name. He has given us power to be sons of God. Romans 8, verse 14. says through 17 for as many as are led by the spirit of God they are the sons of God even you women are sons of God we don't uh, and just like the uh, preacher Larry just like he says uh, out there at that church and, and he he goes to a lot of detail saying this means you too women you know you too when he, whenever he says men you know, man shall live by bread alone. He said women too, you know. So I'm saying the same thing. You know, this applies to men, women too. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby you cry, Abba, Father. And, you know, Jesus told us to address God as Father. And only sons and daughters can do that. The Spirit itself bears witness of our spirit that we are children of God, and if children of heir, or if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified with him. 
in 1 John 3. 1 John 3, and verse 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knows not or knows us not because it knew him not. Let's see how far I'm going to go. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now. But he says, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. You don't look like a spirit being yet, or you won't, you're not a spirit being yet. And he says, yet we do not appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And there are some scriptures where we can go to see just really just in Revelation some other places that, that give descriptions of what he is at times and what he looks like at times. And uh, it, it's, uh, I was going to dwell a little bit on one of these verses here. Let me see if I, I didn't want to get too far ahead. 14 and 17. Okay. Let's just go ahead and go on to First uh, uh, Corinthians 15th chapter. This is a little more reading than I normally do. I know we're supposed to stick with the Bible a lot of times. I don't. I don't read so much that I need. First uh, Corinthians 15 and uh, verse 49. Verse 49 says, "And we have." born the image of the earthy, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Our kids pretty well have borne the image of us. I bet some of you out here have children that look a lot like you. They probably act like you. And you tell them, do as I say, not as I do. And I've done that. But, you, you know, your children have a lot of characteristics that you have. A lot of families have, uh, a lot of children have family characteristics. You know, some children uh, are very uh, musically inclined. Uh, my wife's side of the family was very musically inclined. Her grandparents and cousins and aunts and uncles are very musically inclined, you know, like some of you out here are that play just about any kind of string instruments and all that. They're good singers. When they get together, they have a really great old time singing gospel songs or, or whatever. And uh, But I can't do that. You know, I'm, I'm not very good at that at all. I'd love to have music. But, uh, but my children have all pretty well picked it up. Where's Brenda? She's here today. She, she does very well. Uh, pretty well all of her sisters do. Uh, one of her uh, brothers did. Uh, one of Charles, I don't guess, he probably could. He's like his dad, you know. He's, he's more of his dad type. That He, he just uh, doesn't try, you know. He, he's got too much vanity, you know. I'm, I'm afraid somebody will... Uh, I can tell somebody I don't do very good, but when they tell me that, it hurts. So, you know, I I just rather tell them that and not even do it. And, I, and when I do try to sing, I, I end up hitting the wrong words or something rather. And 
And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm full of vanity. If I, 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 I tried to get over that one time a few years ago. And I, I, I did a job for a lady. I'm in a carpet cleaning business, and, and I clean for this lady that, that uh, gives voice lessons. And uh, I just traded out some work for her. She got pretty discouraged after about three or four times, you know, going out there. She, ah, no, I don't need any more of this. <laughs> and uh, but anyway, but my vanity hurt me. And, you know, some of you are very athletic. Some of you are very athletic, and that's, uh, praise the Lord. Oh, that's not the end. He's filling for the air. <laughs> I, I thought uh, uh, Dale was back here praising the Lord. <laughs> Had his hands up in the air. Anyway, didn't didn't help. But, uh, but uh, most of my children pretty well took from my side of the family, you know, as far as, um, well, I say most of them, uh, um, they're, they're, they're pretty athletic. You know, my children are all athletic, and, and I wasn't real good at athletics, but I was fair, and, and I did better at athletics, and I did singing. And uh, yeah, I ought to let Dale take my notes now. <laughs> he can do a better job on it. Anyway, uh, but... But our children, you know, you see some of the little children back there, and, and uh, beautiful little babies. We've got some of the prettiest babies here at the feast this year that I've seen. You know, I saw some yesterday. I tell you, they're just little dolls, and we have some in Tulsa Church too that they're just beautiful little babies, made in the image of God, made in the image of their mom and daddy. And uh, how many of you women back here are expecting a baby right now? Are there any any babies back here? Okay, yeah, all right, I remember that. That's from Tulsa. We're going to have another baby. Uh, where's, uh, uh, not Jackie, uh, what's Curtis's wife's name? Katie, Katie, I'm sorry, you know, this, it has nothing to do with her, it's just this mind up here. Katie, you know, and, and I think I've seen, uh, 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 yeah, what do you call the ultrasound on online or something here a while back and you know and that that thing i couldn't tell whether it looked like curtis or whether it looked like katie <laughs> but you know it you know that thing is going to be a precious little baby you know and it's going to cry and curtis is going to go to work the next morning with his eyes he's going to drive all the way to bartlesville you know half awake but that baby is going to be an image of curtis and and of katie a beautiful little baby, and it looks so good on, on the, uh, uh, not microwave, but the um, <laughs> ultrasound, ultrasound, I'm sorry. Anyway, the ultrasound looked real good. And, uh, you know, that makes me wonder, we used to wonder at times, uh, you know, when some some of us older people started a church and we'd read these scriptures and, and, and they'd talk about God saw us, he knew us in the womb of our and her mother, you know, in her belly, you know. We didn't have ultrasound 30 years ago, did we? 40 years ago? Does anybody know? Did we have it then? Well, they didn't use it on babies, I don't think. And maybe they did, but we didn't. How much? About 25 years ago. When, when you kids were, were young, they didn't have that stuff, you know. We just had to flip a coin, and, and the doctor says, well, it, it's going to be a boy. And he says, I'm 50% he says, right every time. And, uh, and we had Debbie and our oldest daughter, about a year and a half older than Dorinda, and she's the only one that we deliberately planned. You know, we had six, 
She's the only one that we really actually planned. Let's have a little brother for Debbie. You know, Debbie needed a little brother to play with, and uh, she did, she turned out to be another girl, and we ended up having four girls. So I'm not I'm not a chauvinistic pig, you know. I can't be after that. But anyway, but but we didn't have the uh, ultrasound back then. And, and we knew, we understood that God could see it. We knew, we, we didn't know how he did it, but you know, we knew he did. Uh, we did know, well, well, how does God communicate with people? Well, we, we don't know how God does it, but we, we, know, we understand radio waves. We can't see radio, but we can see the radio. I mean, we can't see the radio waves. So we took a lot of things on faith. Well, now you can see a lot of this stuff. You know, the longer uh, society is around, the more electronics we come up with. Uh, you know, they're teaching God more of this techno, technical stuff. No, God's teaching them. But anyway, but we're going to be like God. The scripture we're to end off at. Yeah, even our kids. Um, Hebrews uh, 11, no, I'm sorry, Hebrews 1. One more scripture on, on the image stuff. No, get off of that. Lost my. Hebrews 1 and verse 3. I'll just start in verse 1 and work my way down. God, who at sundry times and divers manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he had appointed heir of all things. And, and did we say heir a while ago? Did we mention we're going to be joint heirs with all things? Uh, appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds who being I'm talking about Jesus who being the brightness of his glory and express image the express char character of the person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had himself purged our sins set down on the right hand of God Jesus is in the express image of God. And I've wondered, and I've even wondered out loud, well, what does God look like? You know, we've, we've always wondered that. And uh, I made a comment the other night uh, to Ian, you know, and I don't say anything to Ian unless I want an answer. <laughs> and uh, I said, uh, how big is God? And he gave me a simple answer. He don't, we don't need to know, or, or it doesn't matter, you know. And we, we just kind of drop. I think a bigger subject than either one of us could have. I know he'll be, probably get up here and tell me what. But I cannot fathom, cannot even wrap my mind around the subject enough to even, even make a, a, a decent quote about it or even ask a decent question about it because I just boggles my mind. I am just, I'll give you a scripture, so I've still got a little bit of time. I've got another hour and a half. So, uh, anyway. Um, anyway, it just boggles me. I, I, I get so boggled I can't even think to keep going, you know. It, it's just, and, and hopefully before it's all over with, uh, we'll all be boggled. Isaiah 40. And uh, scripture that we've heard, we don't hear too much, but we, we, we hear it uh, occasionally. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, and uh, starting about verse 12. Still hear me up there? Okay. Um, Isaiah 40 and verse 12 says, 
and breaking into some thoughts here again. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? And, and he also, and, I'm, and I'll digress a little bit, he, if we read over in Job, you know, the latter parts of Job, when, when, when God actually started confronting Job, you know, and besides all of his friends giving him all the things that he was doing wrong, then, then Job said some of the same things. And I'm, uh, later on, I'm going to go back and study that a little more because, you know, I haven't really in a long time really gotten into deep on a lot of that. But, but, but this is somewhat similar to what he, he told Job, you know, where were you when such and such? Well, let me just start. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and meted out the heaven with the span and comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance? And we look out our window over here at the place where we're staying, look out at the bay window out here and look down over the lake out here and see all these big hills around Branson out here. And this is just small, just nothing. And, and who, who measured that out, you know? Who, who put all this in the place that they put it, you know? And, and uh, you ask an ant, well, how far is it to California? You know. <laughs> The ant can't, can't, especially the little bitty black, we call them piss ants, but I, little black ants, uh, well, I mean, that's what, what, what they call them in Oklahoma. But uh, anyway, uh, you, you tell that little ant, the little black ant, how far is it to California? And he said, we think that's a long way. How far is it from California to New York, you know? The ant can't, can't comprehend it. We can't comprehend it. I can't comprehend how big the universe is. And I can't comprehend how low, how far down we go. You know, you go up, you magnify up, and then you magnify down into neurons. And, and Anyway, let me go ahead and read this. Verse 13, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor and taught him with whom took he counsel and instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment and taught him uh, knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Verse 15, behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket and counted as a small dust on the balance. Behold, he takes up the isles as a very little thing. We know what, uh, if you're interested, I mean, if you're uh, acquainted with the scales, not the electronic scales, the digital scales you get on, but the old-timey scales, you know, you get on it and has this big boom out here. You, you slide this thing up here, it tells how many pounds it is. Well, if it's too much, you put this little weight on here called a balance. You put this little balance up here, and then you start all over again. Uh, said the nations are, are not even equivalent to the dust on those balances. You get two or three thousand pounds of feed out here and you put on a pretty good size uh, balance, you know, to put on this deal here so you can run your little slide thing across there and get your weight. The nations aren't even equivalent to the dust on that balance, which is just a teeny fraction of the, of the overall thing. You know, God is just, I mean, there's just no way that you can uh, co comprehend that. Verse 17, uh, all nations before him are as nothing, and they are counted to him less than nothing. Still in uh, Isaiah 40, chapter 40, and verse 21. I'm skipping a little bit for time's sake. 
and this boggles me too. And and uh, you know my my thoughts on that may not be your thoughts, but it in verse uh, what did I say twenty one. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? And Columbus and them should have known this. You know, they were thinking about the world being flat. It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants there are, are as grasshoppers, that's, and also that he stretches out the heavens as a curtain and spreads them out as a tent to dwell in. In my mind, I, it, it just, um, I see him sitting up on this arch up here and, and looking down, and, and of course that's, that's, a, that, that's a little easier to understand. I can see somebody sitting up there on that and seeing a grasshopper down there. That's not too magnificent. But when it says he um, stretches out the heavens as a curtain, go out in my garage and it's dark out here and I take and I spread out this curtain. It's got all these little bitty uh, dots and stuff on here and all these little twinkly things and little rotating things out here, you know, and the curtain, you know, and, and uh, they're rolling around and all that. That's the universe. God stretches that out like I would stretch out a curtain in my garage and it says, uh, spreads them as a tent to dwell in. You know, in my garage, you know, a two-car garage, some of you have three-car garages, you stretch that thing out in there and, and, and just the curtain on there, just, just say it's made out of velvet or something, you know, make sure that it's thick. You know, you can get a whole lot of stuff in here. A curtain just real thick. But the equivalent on that, and you, and you look and see from, from one little old speck of something up here to another, it's millions of light years away in reality. And this curtain to dwell in, this tent to dwell in, you take it outside here, if, if our heavens up here is like just a tent to God, What's outside? What's outside my garage? What's outside the street? This is just a tent, and there's hundreds and millions of light years out here. And we know light travels at 186,000 miles per second, and how many times is that around the world? A second. How many times can light go around the world? How long would it take us to walk around the world, <laughs> you know, if there was any water? I can't comprehend that. I can't comprehend what made that stuff. Can God be like us? You know, like I don't know. Some of you may have something. You may straighten me out. You know, is is God a little man like me? You know, five foot seven. Is is he like um, what's these gorilla shows back in the fifties and sixties? You know, King Kong and all that. Is he is he a big ape like thing? You know. We know he looks like man, he has eyes and all that, and we're in the image of him. Jesus was a small person. Well, I say small, I mean he wasn't a giant. We know that they had giants. But I, I just have, I know that he can do these things that, like I said, I don't even know enough to even, even make a comment. How if I just stood up here and shook a little bit, you know, and man, those mountains just took off and gone. 
somebody like me could do that or like you could do that. Had you ever thought, you know, that 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 is power? And how long did it take God to to? Uh, well, I don't know. That's that's another subject there. But but what I'm saying is, this is so great the the power that God has. The only thing it's impossible for Him to do is to lie. That's the only thing that I know of that's impossible for God to do is to lie. And the Bible says you're going to be like him. We're going to see him. We're going to be as he is when, when Jesus comes back, when, when God comes back. We're going to be sons, or we are right now, sons of God. It is just so awesome to me. Um, maybe, maybe by the end of the feast I'll have a, you know, enough information. Maybe somebody has told me some things that will spark an idea. I know uh, a lot of times in Tulsa, the, even the different speakers, that uh, we have ten of us back there, I think, that speak, and a lot of times we feed off of the others. You know, we have ideas that may come up two or three or four weeks or a month or so later, and, and uh, Reggie gave one here a while back along with uh, Matthew and Ron, you know, that, that disturbed some thoughts for us, you know, for me. And, uh, but, anyway, um, I'm going to wind this down here in a little bit. We already said, I think, uh, I believe I went to uh, uh, Romans 8.17, now I'll, I'll just paraphrase that, that we're going to be heirs, joint heirs with Christ, and we know what Christ owns. We know what God owns. We know God's going to be in charge, and we know that. But we're going to be co-heirs of this universe out here. And we know that for certain that we're going to be here a thousand years. We know that. And I had a chance, uh, the last Bible study that we had out there with that group, uh, he challenged me every once in a while. He'd look at me and ask me a question. And, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't go out there and start trouble. And uh, now Paul probably would have, but Paul, Paul, you know, God struck him down, showed him, and he said, you get out there and do this, you know. You get beat up and all that, but I don't like getting, being beat up. So I, But uh, here a while back, uh, one of the scriptures in there, and they were talking about uh, out of context, and said this means that you, you can eat anything you want to. God really doesn't care what you eat, you know. And we know how they take scriptures totally out of context. And, uh, and, he, and he said, do you think God really cares what you eat? And everybody said, no. And he looked at me and said that, and I said, yes, sir, I do. <laughs> so I got to explain to him my version of, of that. And, and uh, then this last uh, week week ago um, on Wednesday night, uh, he was talking about Sabbath and all that, and trying also taking some of these vegetarian uh, scriptures out of context and making it sound like you can eat anything you want to and you observe any day you want to do, and be, as long as you're persuaded in your own mind. We, most of us have answers to those. And um, he said he knew these Seventh-day Adventists, you know, and he said and they, they teach this, you know, this certain particular thing. And he said, but I just don't read that in the Bible. And uh, so I had a chance. He, uh, he opened it up again, and uh, I had a chance to uh, tell him that 
you know. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm taking a long time on that. But uh, then, then at the end, I even told him that I even keep the annual holy days. I'm really weird, you know. I keep these annual holy days. And, uh, well, actually, what brought that on, one of the guys asked a question, well, what happens to you after you die? This guy had uh, oxygen at his nose, you know, and carried a bottle around with him. So he knew, you know, his time not very long. He, he wanted to have some answers of comfort. And uh, the pastor went over and took him over to uh, uh, Revelation 21, told him how beautiful it is and all that, no tears, no sweat and all that. And, and uh, then I told him, well, I said, if you, if you look at chapter 21, I said, that, that, that happened. I said, that's before chapter 21. I mean, you go to chapter 20, that's just before 21. They took it like I meant the number come before that. <laughs> what I really meant is the uh, events happened before that, and I told them about the, uh, and, and you may have a chance to do that sometime too, you know, you never know when, when uh, you're going to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, I told him, uh, I said, and I told this young man, well, not young man, older man, I said, when you go home, I said, you read the whole chapter of Revelation 20, and it'll talk about people living on earth for a thousand years and reigning on earth for a thousand years. And, uh, and I said, you'll see a place that says, and this is the first resurrection. You know, and the rest of the dead live not until then. But anyway, uh, as we were leaving, uh, one of the ladies there said, you know, I believe that. She said, I, said, I have a problem with that, uh, uh, that three days and three nights stuff and come find out she's been taking some letter for literature from one of our groups. I don't who, who puts out the uh, or who has the uh, uh, tomorrow's world living. So she's taking some literature from that, and uh, she may be a candidate. You know, for one of our churches, we have a living in, in Tulsa. We have several congregations, and I don't care which one she goes to, you know. And I plan on going back out another time or so before winter gets here, and, and uh, you know, and, and hopefully she'll end up somewhere in, in church somewhere, keeping the Sabbath and honoring the holy days and, and teaching her grandchildren. That'd be great. But... Anyway, we're going to be heirs with that. Um, but anyway, I let him realize that it, that it was a whole lot better than just going to heaven and playing harps all day, and they, they kind of agreed with that. And uh, I think we all agree with that. It's a whole lot better. And, uh, you know, the, the future is just so awesome to what we're going to be doing. And, and like I said a while ago, we know, we know for a fact that we're going to be here and, and uh, some of us may get a city or so to rule over, but uh, God's going to match us up for whatever we like, whatever we enjoy. We'll be doing something in, in the kingdom of God that, that we will enjoy. But, uh, but the thing that we do need to remember, we will be living for eternity. And as sons of God, we're our, we are going to be living for eternity. But, you know, we, we're going to be living by the Ten Commandments of God. We know that. We know that's never going to be done away. God's commandments are never going to be done away. And you can see the implications. If we, had, if we were prone to be disrespectful to our mother and father, our parents, here on earth as physical human beings, and we do not honor our mother and father and we're cruel to them or mean to them or whatever, uh, most of us won't be. But if, if people were, 
and they take guns and shoot them, or they take physical things and beat them up or something. That things, you know, people have that power to do that. Well, people in the spiritual realm cannot have that kind of power in the, in the future. God cannot allow people with the kind of power that he's going to give us to have the attitude of hatred, the attitude of jealousy, the attitude of vanity, of greed. If we will steal something from somebody now in our physical body, and as long as they don't have cameras around here looking at us, you know, some people will do that. Well, think, what, what would we do? I mean, what, what would the ramifications be in the spirit world if we were unrestrained and God gave us that kind of power that I could just look at Chuck right here and just, just look at him and he'd vanish. I don't like Chuck or I'll, whatever. I want his wife or something, you know. Uh, you know, we, that's why it's so important that we, we are feeding our mind on a daily basis on the things that we, that we should be doing and thanking God for the forgiveness that he's given us that, that none of us are really worthy, and we know that. You know, and uh, uh, you know if we start counting sins, but the thing is, we we have quit sinning. You know, Paul said, "It's not me; it's doing it." I'm I'm guilty, you know, but I'm trying to overcome it. But we're going to live the rest of our lives in this life right now, trying our best to keep the commandments of God, and we know that we're going that we are sons of God. That we're going to have extreme power. With the, the, the most money that we could look at now and all the things we look at now is absolutely nothing. They're just, anyway. But uh, we will be sons of God as we already are. We just don't, we're just not what we look like yet or what we're going to look like, put it that way.